Welcome to the Ad Nauseam Podcast, where classical gourmands everywhere can finally get their fill. Join us for a delectable discussion of Greco-Roman civilization stretching from the Minoans and Mycenaeans through the Renaissance and right down to the present. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here are your hosts, Dr. David Noe and Dr. Jeff Winkle. Welcome to the Ad Nauseam Podcast, episode number 66. My name is Dr. David C. Noe, and as always, I'm here in the studio with my good friend and co-host, Dr. Jeffrey T. Winkle. That's right, I am here. And how are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. I'm doing great today. Good, good. good. Yeah. So who's this person here? I have I have no idea. Somebody wandered in. Yeah. It's, it's kind of... Uh, a bum I'm, off the street? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. All right. No, this is Jillian, your daughter. Oh, my daughter, Jillian. Yes. Okay. So what's she doing here, Jeff? Well, we're going to interview Jillian today. Yes. Um, kind of about... Okay, broadly about kind of her experience as a, as a as a child growing up uh, under a classical tutelage. Right. Uh, your classical tutelage. Mine. Right. Yep. And then also just uh, a lot about the, the the books that she's read that, that she likes to read, uh, in particular Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Correct. Um, but I want to. I mean, that's great. But I want to go bigger than that. You want to go bigger. I want to go. I want to talk about other things that that Jillian has has read. I'm going to continue to talk about her like she's not even here. Right. Okay. <laughs> Should we start with a shout-out? Yes, we should. Okay, right, right. so this shout-out goes to my friend Shani Adeyemi. Uh, Shani was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, and graduated from Arizona State University with an undergrad degree in mathematics. He's a member of the Phoenix Reformed Presbyterian Church uh, and served there as a pastoral intern from August 2019 until August 2021. I'm no mathologist, but I think that's approximately two years. Uh, roughly, Okay. Yes. He's seeking ordination to the gospel ministry within the RPCNA, and uh, he believes that faithful preaching, I like this part, must instruct the intellect, right? Instruct yeah. the intellect in the doctrine of Christ, direct the will and the law of Christ, and stir the affections to greater love for Christ. And oh. that, that can get a little messy, you know what I'm saying? What, you can get in there and stir the affections and, around. Anytime you're stirring. It, it, there's going to be some yeah. backsplash, exactly. you might it's to say. to be expected. Right. Uh, Shaney has been a subscriber to Latin Per Diem on the YouTubes since 2016. Is that near the beginning? Uh, you, 2015 is when we okay. got it fired up, um, yeah. rolled it out in uh, September of uh, 15. Shaney's been with us almost since the very beginning. Uh, he's also a Moss Method student. He's a diehard. He is. And we actually met, I think it was two years ago. I was in Phoenix with Mrs. Noe, and uh, Shaney and I got a lovely photo together because he's a great guy. I like oh, him very much. Fantastic. And, you know, he's he's a little bit touchy. Should I share this with a worldwide audience? Well, it's too late now. You okay. Yeah. <laughs> he said, why don't you tag me in everything that you put on Facebook? <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. So now I tag him every time. Every time? At Shaney Adeyemi. Okay. And I said, you know, I'm sorry, I... Uh, there's a lot of work I have to get done around the house and such, you know, job-related things. But yeah. I can't do it. I'm too busy tagging Shaney. It, it takes a lot of it's time. It's a big workload. <laughs> Finally, he says, quote, I appreciate, this is about the podcast, I appreciate having a digestible introduction to the classics in a lively and lighthearted format. Excellent. Is he talking about us? I, I, I'm assuming so. I hope so. Okay. I hope so. So, so Latin per diem, Moss yep. Method, and he actually listens to the podcast. He listens to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sharp, sharp guy. Mathematical whiz, actually. Yeah. Solving a lot of algorithms. Oh, man. That's mm -hmm. way beyond me. Okay. So thanks, Shani, so much for listening and uh, sending in the, the shout out. We appreciate that very much. So, Jeff. Yes. What are, are we going to let her talk? We are going to let her talk. <laughs> okay. I think she's actually going to read out the opening quote. Okay. For yes. Well, as she prepares to read the Ope quote. Yes. Um, <laughs> Is that what we're calling it now? Yeah, the Ope quote. The Ope quote. What are we giving to the listener and viewer? Well, we're giving, uh, I think, a much different perspective okay. on a lot of the stuff that we, we generally talk about. Mm -hmm. right? we're, a bunch, we're a couple of old curmudgeons. Right? Oh, yeah. Kind of set in our ways. Yes, especially you. Especially me. Right. Exactly. Admittedly so. But we're going to hear, it, it's going to be a breath of fresh air. Yes. Gonna, it's a, a youthful voice. Uh, a youthful voice, a vigorous mind, right, and um, from a different generation, and, and kind of how all of this stuff hits the people much younger than us. Okay, and maybe get a sense of kind of where it's going. All right. Yes. Okay. So I think it's time then for the opening quote. Yes. Uh, take it away, Jillian. What you may not know is that great powers are at work in your life. Gods, the forces you call the Greek gods, are very much alive. Hmm. So what is this from? What? what what, what's the source here for this opening quote? This would quote. be from um, The Lightning Thief by Rick Riordan. We tend to just call him Uncle Rick because no one knows how to pronounce his last name right. properly. <laughs> um, but this is his New York Times number one best-selling series about a 12-year-old kid from, let's see, upstate New York. Um, and his... 
he, he finds out at some point, right, that he's not who he thought he was. There are questions of paternity. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. That quote is being spoken to Percy, right? It's, yes, it's that is spoken to Percy by his mentor, um, his Latin teacher, who turns out to be more than just a Latin teacher. Don't we all? The... <laughs> <laughs> and what? Well, and the name of that of that character is Chiron. Chiron. Right. Chiron. Yep. Right. Yes. So it takes its name from the the famous centaur from Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. It also kind of serves in that Yoda like role. Right. In many places throughout the Greek myth. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Jillian, when did you first read this book? Maybe we can back our way into the kinds of things Dr. Winkle was talking about, the broader picture, by starting with something more specific. Yeah. So when did you first read this book, and uh, what was its first impact on you? Um, I picked it up probably when I was 13, 12 or 13. Um, one of Lucius's friends had left it at our house. And Lucius, I, the brother? Yes, the, the brother. Um, and I picked it up, and I didn't really want to read it because I thought, eh, I don't need to read fake Greek myth. You know, right. I've read the real things. Um, this is probably no good. But I read the first page, and I got hooked. I read it all in one morning. Mm. Um, wow. And then I continued reading it up until, I guess, last Christmas was when the last book of, like, the third series came out. Okay. So this is a very long-running series. But How many books are in the series? Do you know approximately? Are we talking 15, um, 20? The first series is five, and then there's a second series, which is another five, and then a third, which is another five, I believe. So oh. 15 in this in this fictional right. Greco-Roman so you picked, up, you picked up this book just kind of out of boredom. Yes. Right, so you, you, nobody had recommended to say, oh, you got to read this. Nope. No. No. Nope. Okay. It was sitting on the coffee table, and I thought, eh, might as well read it. And had you heard of it? I mean, had I'd you, heard of it, your yes. Brother had My brothers were reading it, it and okay. they talked about it a little bit. But, right. Yeah. Now, is it one of those things that I want to I, I get into some of these questions, too, is um, uh, you as a young girl, you as a uh, young woman now, um, encountering these myths, encountering these stories, uh, perhaps in a different way than maybe your brother Lucius did, right? So yeah. was part of kind of the deal like, uh, I'm not really interested. You said you're, you're a pure, uh, Greek mythology purist, right? Yes. You know, you've read the real stuff. Why do I want this knockoff? Right. Um, right. Um, but was part of it also, this is something my brother's into, and I don't want it because of that. Oh, yeah. There was definitely a little bit of that. Okay. I was like, eh, I don't, eh, I'm not really interested in that. That That's their thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but no, it, it, it pulled me in really quickly. So what was it about the first page that changed your mind then? You said after the first page you were hooked. The first page, like, it like starts... Like a fish or something. Yes. It starts very... Nicely reference. It starts very, um, very abruptly. He tells you to stop reading the book, in fact. Oh, okay. On the very first page. He says, if you, if you sense something of yourself in these pages, stop reading it. Believe whatever lie your parents told you about your birth. Oh. And continue living your life. So, of course, someone tells me not to read a book. You're going to do I it. I have to read the book. Yeah. Now, have you seen, uh, are you familiar with The Matrix? Do you know, no. what, you know that kind of story? It kind of reminds me of like, the red pill, blue pill. So yes. Neo has a choice. It says, like, if you really want to know how deep this goes, you take the red pill and you see the, how the mess really is. But if you want to wake up tomorrow and, and believe kind of the lie of The Matrix, you take this pill and you'll never be any of the wiser. Mm, that's so the, the blue pill. The blue pill, right. Okay. So it reminds me of kind of a, a similar kind of, that's a, that's, a nice, that's a nice hook. It is. Yeah. It takes yeah. you in medias race and then shuts the door on right. you. But uh, right. you, you're pulled along anyway. Now, one more question about other uh, other media. Have you read? Did you read Lemony Snicket? I no? have not, not okay. yet. It's on my list, but okay. It, 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 it reminds me of a similar kind of thing where on the first page is that you, a cough drop? What is that? A Lemony Snicket. Like, yeah, it's kind of the. It's a knockoff Ricola. Okay. Right? <laughs> no, Lemony Snicket. Um, series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. I like um, the title. Yeah. Is Lemony Snicket the author? He's the author. It's a pen name. Right? All right. Um, yeah. Uh, but on the first page, he says something like. Uh, if you're expecting a happy ending, if you oh, yeah. and if you want to be cheered this by this, don't read this book. Mm. And he says, these are the children of the book. Bad things are going to happen to them, and right. it's not going to get better. Yes. And so if you want to go ahead, that's with you. Otherwise, stop reading. So that's not so different than this podcast, right? <laughs> How so? To, to get meta-referential Please. here. Yeah. Well, because I'm basically a misanthrope, as we all know. Right. And uh, you have to agree <laughs> quite so quickly. And pretty much at the beginning of every episode, I just want to call it all off. Yeah, right. And say, this is going to be subpar. Let's just drop it right here. Right. And uh, you tell me, no, 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 keep going, keep going. Yeah, right. exactly. Constantly trying to the talk you off the ledge. Right, the yes. glass half half full kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think we might have more listeners if I were able to prevail in the, just turn it off. This is going to be terrible. We'd have more listeners if we if we didn't do this? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, look at this, uh, the success of this book. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good, uh, it's a good hook, right? Yeah, it is a very good hook. Nice premise. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, again, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of, again, your reaction as a 
uh, if you can go back to yourself as a 13 year old um, kid, my son, my oldest son also picked up this book when he was 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's, there's something also kind of about that age. Yes. You have to be the right age. You have to be right. So so, uh, could you talk a little bit about that? So, you know, as a 13 year old kid, what else is going on in your life that you, that you kind of drew you to this? Is it simply because the characters are of a similar age or? There's a little bit of that, right? You want to relate to, to someone your age. Clearly, you know, I'm not running around fighting monsters, but you know, there's a little bit of, you can, you can picture yourself in that situation. It starts with him in school, um, you know, with his with his best friend, who they're both kind of outcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is the guy that uh, not to interrupt, but this is the guy who turns out to be a half man, half goat. Half man, half goat. Right. Sadder, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> in school, his best friend, who's got a secret identity. Right. And the Latin teacher. And the Latin teacher, yes. Right. You're wondering, is there a question in there? Right. <laughs> okay. There is. There is. Um, the question is this. Uh, what did you think of the portrayal of the Latin teacher? How, how he was uh, characterized in the book and his secret identity, too. Does every character in the book have a secret identity? Um, yeah, a lot of them do. I would say the book is... The book is fairly centered on identity because all the children, they don't know who their parents are. Right. Um, a lot of strange things have happened in his past, which are unexplainable, um, and only slowly start making sense once he realizes his true identity. Right. So one of the things I always notice about these these kinds of stories is, I mean, it reminds me a lot of, of, of uh, superhero stories. If you think of like a, um, a Peter Parker or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's the one that, that leaps to mind, is that Lots of superhero stories are centered around outcasts. Yes. That, um, that the main case of Percy doesn't really belong anywhere. Right. Right. And I kind of have um, two theories about that. One is that um, lots of people like these books because they feel like that them, themselves. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. And, and I'm going to ask you in a moment if you, if you, <laughs> you know, how much of your life you spent feeling like an outcast. But second is um, you're familiar with my my quasi-obsession of liminality. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. And how so many... I of, share that. You, you show, oh, excellent. Yeah. Right. We need to have a whole show with Jill, Jillian back and we can talk right. about liminal spaces. I can just take a break. Right. <laughs> I'm not really interested in liminality. Right. So I think a lot of these, if you look at like a Harry Potter, um, mm-hmm. where, I mean, it's not quite the same age, but it's, you know, he's growing into his adolescence, right? He's he's right. He's not a kid. He's not an adult. It's right. the in-between time of, of mm-hmm. middle school, right? And yeah. so I think that there's, there's that kind of natural sense of feeling an outcast, no matter how together you are, how popular you are. Everybody kind of feels like an outcast when they're 13 mm-hmm. years old or in, you know, right. in seventh grade. So um, how do those kind of those ideas, did you, did you, did you feel, have you felt like an outcast in your life? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Could you, can you talk about that? I'm, yeah. Okay. Um, being homeschooled, that's always a big one. Okay. Um, you know, you don't, you, you hang around with kids a lot, but people don't think you do. I always, you know, their, their first question is always, do you have it? How do you make friends? Do you have any friends? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, of course I have friends. <laughs> but how, how did you make friends, though, if you're just at home the whole time? Percy Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a, a connector? Between, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was a big, that was a big connector because, um, you know, I grew up studying Greek myth mm-hmm. um, and Latin and Greek. Um, but, but most kids didn't mm-hmm. until Percy Jackson. That's what pulled them in. Okay. Um, and then, then you know, we had we had something to re- to, to relate. Yeah. To right. Each other on. Yeah. Now, I remember at you know at um, like department picnics back in the day. Back when we worked at the when, same when institution. When we worked at the same institution. Um, the that institution that, that shall, shall not be named. Shall not be named. Right. Exactly. <laughs> It's a um, different series, but I remember uh, you and your um, your siblings coming along, and yeah. I remember you. Sp- Speaking some Greek and some Latin, and um, being very impressed with the, the way that you were able to kind of remember and recite these kinds of things, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like, so you you just said that you know you, you grew up studying Greek myth, Greek and Latin, and uh, not many other kids did. Oh no. So no. When did you when did you realize that you know my education, my upbringing, while there are other people being homeschooled, I'm still very different even within that world. Do you, do you have kind of a, like an epiphany moment where I say, this, you know, what I'm doing at home is not what other kids are doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say it. you, you catch on pretty quickly when you're younger. Yeah. Um, I would say as I've gotten older, though, it's kind of, it's lessened. That's kind of, that's kind of like my flex. I talk to people, you know, at Baylor, and they're always like, oh, oh, yeah, what did you, what did, did you do this in school? I'm like, actually, I was homeschooled. And then I get this look of, 
really? You were homeschooled? And I have this quiet moment of, ha, you can tell. <laughs> if I could just interrupt for a minute. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, flex means, I'm not sure if you know what lingo the kids, oh, I'm kids up, are using. I'm up with the slang. You know what that means? I know. Yeah. Okay. Exactly right. right. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. So she even your your daughter even did it actually an actual she did flex right well but her world's gotten larger I think so there are other kids studying Greek and Latin when they're just little bitty parwilly mm-hmm. yeah and we tried to connect her to such but in any geographical area there aren't going to be so many right right, right as right. your world expands yeah boom yes yeah. you yeah. run into others right now I'll fully admit I I was not homeschooled I did not right. homeschool my children nor was and, I and I mean when I was going through school. Um, Homeschooling was a much smaller deal. I think. Yeah. We, I think maybe with with the interwebs, it's now oh. we just realized that there's a lot more people doing it. And, and the and, pandemic. And the pandemic kind of fueled that as well. Exactly. But I remember I had those same stereotypes. Oh, you about did. When when they mean there'd be the one kid in the neighborhood who's homeschooled. Oh, homeschooler. Yeah. Right. You know, whatever that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they either think you're really really smart or you're really dumb, and there's no in between. They're like, oh, you're homeschooled. Oh, so you're a genius. Yeah. Or they're like, oh. Did you not make it in real school? Right. right. No, for, for me, it was, it, I think it was kind of, it was choice A. It was like, the kid's really brainy, but he's not going to look you in the eye. He's not going to know how to talk to you because mm. he's, in the, he's in the basement reading mm-hmm. books all day. It right. was kind of, again, it was that social piece, right? Yeah. Like, how, how are you, uh, how are you going to take care of that other part of your, of your life? Mm. Yeah. I know better. I know better now, especially having, you know, from my friendship with, with, with Dave. Right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah, and to tie it back to Lightning Thief. Please, um, thank you how, for tweeting it back around to the subject. <laughs> that's kind of how Percy feels. He doesn't fit in with, with the kids at his school. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's going to this fancy private academy, um, and he doesn't he doesn't relate to that until until he goes to Camp Half-Blood and he finds out that there are hundreds of other kids just like him. Yes. So in the Harry Potter books, with which I'm a little bit more familiar, though I have read Lightning Thief for this episode. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. Um in the Harry Potter books, he receives an invitation delivered by an owl or something, mm-hmm. and that's what starts to pry him away from the familiar but uncomfortable into the less familiar but where he's actually at home. So remind us, what's the device in this book that starts him out of where he is and he ends up at the Half-Blood Academy, I think it's called? <laughs> he accidentally vaporizes his pre-algebra teacher. Ah, <laughs> this is... Uh, this is Dodds. Dodds. <laughs> right, who turns out to be actually, I think she's... Electo, maybe? She's a fury. She's a fury. Right. Yeah, right. The name Dodds is great. I don't know how much Uncle Rick knows classical scholarship. That can't be accidental. But one right. of my favorite, favorite, he's not a Gilbert, but favorite classicist from the 20th century is Eric Robertson Dodds. Right. E.R. Dodds, who, uh, his edition of uh, Plato's Gorgias, brilliant. In his book, uh, The Greeks and the Irrational, is one of my favorite of all time. You can't well. put it right. down. It's right. a fantastic book. No, I remember re- reading that, that too, and... and uh, and seeing the name, right. I thought, okay, that can't be accidental. But I was kind of, why? If, it, if he's making that kind of hat tip, why vaporize yeah. that person? Yeah, and what? <laughs> and what are the dods that it would be the same person? Oh man, you've been waiting. Come on, no, no, that's, not, that's not bad. I've not been waiting. <laughs> I, I mean, certainly for me, kind of wish fulfillment fantasy of vaporizing my algebra teacher. Uh, oh man, you're all over that. Oh, I got that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How are you, how are you on math? Did you? Did you? Not, not bad. She's pretty good. She's pretty good. Oh yeah. But I mean, you are. Um, I was going to say this earlier, but at Baylor, you are a classics major, right? Yes, right. yes I am. So you're you're definitely going down the liter- the literature literary path, the yes. humanities path, rather than the the primrose path. The primrose path, right? So right. path that always makes people go. So what do you want to do? Oh, after exactly. College? Get used to that question, my dear. That's for the that, rest of yeah, your life. For those of your yeah. life. <laughs> um, but I, I want to save some questions yes, about that. Yes, save some I do questions. Wanna, I want, I'm very interested in kind of your um, your first semester at uh, at Baylor. So talk some more, if I may, about Lightning Thief, and you said you read one page, and you were hooked, mm-hmm. and then how did the rest of the story appeal to you in terms of its, you know, its plot, its characterization, these kinds of things? Because Jeff and I can both attest to the fact that having taught myth and such the last, I don't know, 20 years, the number of papers I have read by students that say, I didn't know anything about myth, I'm taking this class because of Rick Riordan. Right. Uh, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And at right. first I'm thinking, who is this Rick Riordan? And uh, feeling um, more than a little envious. I should have done that. Mm-hmm. But then, really grateful because he has pulled so many people into the world that we inhabit. Yeah, it's a gateway drug. Exactly. Yep. Right. Yep, absolutely. So talk about the gateway drug, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I had, a, I had a bit of a different experience than most of the kids who read, who grew up reading Lightning Thief. Because we really did, we grew up with it. Kind of like how... 
the millennials grew up with Harry Potter. Um, the books were released, you know, year after year. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was late for Lightning Thief because I think it I think it first came out in something like two thousand five or two thousand six. Mm-hmm. So I was that sounds young. right. Um, but um, I remember reading the last book in the second series, the Heroes of Olympus series. Um, I remember reading the last book as we were flying. Oh, to into, Greece. As we were flying over Greece. Yeah, that was twenty fourteen. Um, yeah. Wow. And you write about the book two thousand five. That's when it came out. Yeah. Um, so because I had already grown up kind of immersed in, you know, Greco-Roman myth, it was a little, it was kind of, I got to read it and kind of think, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. I recognize these characters. I know, I know what's going to happen. Because he kind of sneaks it in there. Um, when he meets, when Percy meets Medusa, she's first referred to as Auntie M. Auntie and all M. you know about her is she has this garden emporium full of statues. Right. Mm. So, you know, I knew immediately something was up. Right, right. So it, it's kind of fun to read it with, with insider information, um, which I know a lot of kids didn't until they got into Percy Jackson and then they started reading, mm. like, the rest yeah. of them. May yeah. I digress for a minute? Or please, no, go ahead. No, I, I, got, I got more questions, but please, okay. go ahead. So the digression here is I would not have had that experience had I read the book at that age. And, in fact, I'm actually a fairly naive reader, which means I read something I don't typically know what's coming. And mm. I don't know if that's temperamental or it's just um, a part of uh, nurture because I read the uh, Chronicles of Narnia's in seventh grade Chronicles of Narnia in seventh grade and enjoyed them and a teacher told me my biology teacher you know that's an allegory for Christianity mm-hmm. I said, what what <laughs> I was shocked I had yeah. no idea right right and uh, that has kind of continued but my children they all seem to scope out the entire plot of anything they've encountered right at the beginning right. so yeah it's our, that's our favorite pastime we watch the movies and we say oh oh i know what's gonna happen this is right this is gonna I say, so, stop it don't ruin it so i don't is that nature or nurture i i, I have no idea I, i'm more in your camp though right i am um but from the way just the tone of your voice jillian it seems like that you take there's satisfaction in that oh yeah rather than people fun. say like oh i see where this is going thus therefore it's boring right, right? no no because you don't know you still don't know there's still a little bit of surprise there's yeah. just kind of a oh you kind of have an inkling of oh something's something's gonna happen yeah yeah and then you kind of you feel like you wish you could warn the character You're like no don't go there what are you doing stop right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. right yeah. no that's that's really interesting i, I um have you seen Have you seen the Star Wars films or any of them? Right, and so um, you know George Lucas was heavily influenced by Joseph Campbell, The Young and the Restless. The, exactly, go listen to that episode. right? Yes, and I maybe, uh, maybe put it on the screen here. Yeah, and so in classes I've shown that film and then talk about Campbell's the hero, the steps of the hero's journey, and I have had students say to me, uh, "That's really interesting, but you've ruined it for me." Right, now. and so it's like mm-hmm. the idea of of being able to kind of look under the hood and see how things tick. Right. It um, takes some of the magic out of it. I understand that, but I, I think, I mean, for me, kind of coming at it backwards, you know, I saw Star Wars when I was a, a child and loved it, and then coming back, saying, oh, that's how it fits together. I'm, I'm with you. That's, there's, mm. there's a lot of kind of satisfaction kind of knowing how narratives are right. built and, yeah. and why they work. Yeah. Right. I think the nub of the question, which is for another episode, is are some people more able than others to suspend disbelief? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. If you can, I'm pretty good at this. I, I mean, it's naivete, right? I can suspend disbelief temporarily, and then everything is surprising and shocking. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Which may may lead to more enjoyment of literature, but I, I don't know if it's virtue in any sense. Right. I think that yeah, there's some there's a, a satisfaction in kind of getting the reference. Mm-hmm. Like you said, right. Like you know, yeah, Auntie, right. Auntie M has got a. A garden full of statues. Oh, right. you right. gotta see where this. Is she where wearing a turban or something? She is. Her face is covered. The right, right. Yeah. Because there's snakes up there. Right. So you feel like you're sitting next to Uncle Rick and you say, "Yeah, I know. I but got. Oh, it. I got gotcha. you." Right, yeah. right. And that's how that's how the character Annabeth is. She's the one who knows. She's grown up more in this world, and she knows what's going on. Um, in the later books, or no, it is this first book. They check into the Lotus Hotel. Yes. Mm. And she realizes it's a, casino, a little later, kind of. it's the, yes, but she realizes the reference to. It's the Odyssey, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. With the lotus beds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Annabeth is Athena's daughter. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, a, a goddess who doesn't have children. In... Right, which yes. is the great controversy of the book. Yes. Just right. one? <laughs> well, I mean, is, is there just one great controversy? This is the question of uh, literary license, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah. I mean, how have you encountered that, that controversy? Uh, I mean, I remember when reading this book with my son, I, I, I kind of 
smirked at that and said, "Well, you know, he's doing his thing. He's, right. This is not a this right. is not a, a literal right. retelling of these things." You mean Rorden is Rorden is not. Right. Is but apparently, Rorden. there's supposed to be there's some he he doesn't just gloss over it. He does acknowledge it. And in the second series, when um, they run into the Roman camp, um, the Romans all kind of look at Annabeth a little like. Why are you here? You shouldn't be here. This is wrong because Minerva also is, right. a, is a virgin goddess. Right. Um, but there's kind of this backstory about how hmm. Annabeth was born the same way Athena was born. More parthenogenesis. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. This okay. kind of like the springing from the, the forehead of, right, right, right. of the father. Ah. That's not how I was born. Yes. <laughs> springing from the... That's. I'm sorry, what? I said that's not how I was born, right? Oh, No. <laughs> no. <laughs> And that's not a subject for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Athena born from Zeus's head. We got Dionysus right. coming out of his thigh. And yeah. All kinds right. of well, but I mean, through sexual reproduction. Yes. In the thigh. In the thigh. Right? But not in the thigh. But the thigh is a great place to store an infant male, so that it can, um, you know, come to maturity. But Athena was born from what is it? Nemesine. Metis. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Metis and Zeus are in flagrante delicto. And Zeus uh, realizes his, uh, his offspring is going to replace him. So he swallows Metis, and whose name means wisdom. And somehow the child goes to his brain and pounding headache and Hephaestus and the rest is history it's of history. sorts. Right. So Riordan, he, he taps into that tradition to kind of uh, do an end run around Athena right. giving birth. Yes. Mm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Have you read his, um, you know, he's doing things with um, Egyptian Myth, right? Yes, I did read his. He has a trilogy about these two kids um, and some Egyptian magic, which I did read, and I really enjoyed those books also. Um, he's also gone into Norse myth. I was going to ask about if he had any Norse offerings or if he's re-Norseless. <laughs> Man, we should keep walking into these things. The best thing to do is just kind of look ahead and keep moving. <laughs> right. That's one of those things. I guess I, I'm not good at anticipating dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Renorseless? Renorseless. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. On, on the, off the cuff, that's okay. not so bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 No, but Riordan is known for um, kind of focusing on, you know, the, the demographic that didn't necessarily get written about. So Percy has ADHD and dyslexia. Yeah. Um, which turns out to be his strong suit, right? The, the answer for that is that, you know, he's not meant to sit in a classroom. He's meant to be fighting. He's meant to be running around using a sword, yes. and he can't read English because his brain is wired to read ancient Greek. Right, mm. right, 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 yeah. So these things that in the, in, the, in the modern world, you know, in his school, kind of label him as, you know, dumb or not having as many skills as someone else is actually what makes him special. That's really interesting, mm. yeah. But, but, but there's still also, like, characters with, with, like, Annabeth, it also kind of reminds me of, like, Hermione and the Harry right. Potter, right? They kind of hold up the... The more kind of the academic end of things, right? right? That's yeah. a, there's, there's, they are schooled in the lore mm-hmm. in ways that Percy is not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I gotta ask. Um, I gotta ask the the gender question, right? So you pick up this this book as a thirteen year old girl. In any part of you say, "Oh, great, another story like this with um, uh, a male hero at the center." Or did that not, not? Does that not even no. cross your mind? No, it didn't really. No. No. Um, because, I mean, I don't know. He's a likable character. He's he's fun to to read as with him as the narrator. Yeah. Um. And there are a lot of good, you know, s- strong female characters in the yeah. book. So there wasn't. I didn't really think about that. Didn't think about that. Did you? Uh, which character in the book did you identify the most with? Oh, Annabeth. Annabeth. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Because she's more brainy. Because she's so tall. Because, <laughs> because she's blonde. blonde and blue eyed, oh. or because she's the female character, or some other reason. Um. Well, of course, because she's the you know she's the main the main female character. But you know she she doesn't put up with Percy's you know snark and his sass, and she knows she knows her stuff. So it's like dealing with a brother. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So one of the important plot devices in the book is the lightning bolt. Right. Yes. The theft yes. of the lightning bolt and uh, the characterization, if I'm remembering correctly, of. Mars as a bike. Aries? Aries. Mars? Aries. Aries. Yeah. we got to keep our Greeks and Romans yes. straight. Okay. As a, like a Harley Davidson bike rider kind of guy? Yeah, and apparently his, his seat is made out of like human skin. Ooh. Okay. Very, Creepy. very. And his eyes, I believe if I remember correctly, he, wear, he wears shades most of the time, but his eyes are just balls of fire. Mm. Which is more, that's probably more indicative of Hephaestus. 
Yes, perhaps. But... But he's, he's misdirection, isn't he? Ares is used for misdirection in right, the Right, because this is only the first book in the series. Okay. It's set up for the next four, where Ares is kind of the scapegoat. He starts it all, but but there's someone in the back of his mind whispering, mm-hmm. telling him to, to do this. And that will turn out to be, as we know, one of the Titans, right? right? right. Titans. Titans. Yes. Cronus. Yes. Now, I, I like that, that portrayal of Ares, because uh, I think that, that dovetails well with kind of a Homeric presentation of of Ares is as um, hateful even to the gods. Yes. You know, there's that, that, that great scene where Ares himself gets wounded and he goes up to Olympus to kind of, you know, to you know literally bellyache. Right. And Zeus right. says, basically, I know you're my son, but I hate you just like everybody exactly. else, right? So it kind of a... Um, uh, it's kind of a, an, an outcast, right? And, and but not in a Percy Jackson kind of way, an outcast because he's so detestable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That to me is one very appealing thing about the Greek and Roman way of looking at the world. E- even things that are unpleasant to do, that have to be done and are necessary, right? You do them well, uh, but you it don't you don't have to like them, right? right. So I didn't express that very well, but. <laughs> Uh, so Achilles, this podcast, for example. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> Achilles, right? He doesn't glorify war, but he's still going to be very good at it because that's his job. Yes. So, to use your example, Zeus doesn't consider Ares commendable in any fashion, but they they nevertheless have a grudging admiration for his efficiency. Right. Oh yeah. As yeah. a warrior. Very good point. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Something you said. You said that like uh, for the millennial generation, they had Harry Potter. Right. Were you, are you a Gen, are you a Gen Z? Or I would be a Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay. I kind of fall in the in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. That, that liminal space between yes, generations. Yes. <laughs> oh please. Right. Because <laughs> um, right, I remember, you know, landlines. I wasn't. I wasn't an iPad kid. Gotcha. I didn't watch YouTube until I was much older. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Yeah. So you just get, you kind of you scoff at your your younger siblings and say, Ugh, right? Look, look, yeah, yeah, all the stuff that they grew up with mm. in their hands. So he doesn't know what cable TV is, right? <laughs> Kids these days, right? Did you have a rotary growing up? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, right, right. The knobs <laughs> right, and so forth. Right. Yeah, I remember right. cassette tapes. Cassette tapes, yeah. Right. I heard a good joke recently. Please. Uh, so if you, it's 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 really not a joke, like with a punchline. It's a setup, right? Mm-hmm. So the TV the TV knobs fall off, right? So you get the knob from the stove and you put it on there. So, you know, what are you doing? I'm watching Scooby-Doo on broil. Because <laughs> the knobs, you know, from the exactly. oven to the right, right. television, they're sw- swappable. Right, right, right. right. Exactly. It's a good joke. I wish I could remember good. who. It's a good bit. Who came up with it? But. but it was making me think that, you know, you and I are Gen Xers. Yes, yes I guess so. Who was our... The predecessors? Rowling, Ra- 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 our Uncle Rick, who... Who was writing the? Was it, it was Star Wars. I was. Was it Star Wars? Is no. That, was that our thing? Because we weren't. Re- I wasn't. I never read a Star Wars. Well, book. I know, but it was that same kind of. That was phenomenon. our. That was our myth. You're blending genres, though. No, she's she's right, though. But that's she's, what, she's right. We did you not. You guys watched the. You know, you watched the movies in the theaters when they came out. Right? I did. Yes, the giant Dorito chip going overhead like this. Yeah, exactly right. Right. <laughs> and that spaceship. was a big deal. All that the special was a big deal. 1978. I was five years old. Uh, so I think she's right. That I think that was our generation's myth. I but we did not have we did not have that. a we did not have a book series. I mean, I rem- uh, I grew up on Narnia and Tolkien. But they were already forty years old. Exactly. Right. Right. They were. They, so, but we did not. There was not a fair a, an Uncle Rick or a it's JK. Kind of a, it's kind of a newer. Right. It's a newer genre. But the um, the literary landscape has changed so dramatically, right? The only way we got access to new books was the Scholastic Weekly Reader every Friday that yeah. came out, a little thin newsprint kind of thing. You'd, Paw through it and know what's coming out. I remember right? it well, exactly. Yes. Or, or the bookmobile show up at your school? Exactly. Yeah. You're right. Right following the Twinkie Mobile. <laughs> but that's how it worked. Now, I remember yeah. reading Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, Judy Bloom. Yes. Right. And Fudge. Super Fudge. Right. Yes. That was kind of a series, right? And it was I, a series, but it was nothing grand and That's my point. Mythic. Yes. Right. right. But it's partly because of the, the nature of publishing and marketing at the time. Hmm. How could they have gotten all this stuff out to a grand audience? Huge audience in a short amount yeah, of time. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very uh, good point. Yeah, I, I think I would have been a much different, maybe a less naive and um, incredulous kind of reader had I grown up in that world. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, no, what other what other series um, have you liked that you, that would maybe fall more broadly under the banner of kind of your 
myth inspired or um, Greeky classics, yeah. right? Cl- classics. Yes, that's classics. what this podcast yeah. is about. <laughs> yeah. Um, I read. Oh, the reason actually, the reason I didn't want to read The Lightning Thief was because I had my own series um, about Pandora. I can't remember the author's name. Mm-hmm. Oh, Caroline Hennessy, I believe. Um, mm. But she wrote about Pandora, and in this story, Pandora was the daughter of Prometheus, and she brings the box of evils to show and tell one day I like to it. prove, you know, my dad's <laughs> cooler than just, you know, the the jar of his half-eaten liver that we keep in, you know, in the cupboard. So yes. she brings the actual box of the evils, mm. and she lets out all of them. Um, and hope is the only one left in okay. left in the box. Um, so then she has to go on this quest with her her two friends to recapture all the evils. Ah, okay. And put them back in the back box. In the, back in the box. Back in the box. So I read that series, which was specifically aimed at young women, wasn't it? Oh yes, because it seems the, to me the way it was marketed, the colors and so forth. Yes, yes. The three. It was her and her three friends, um, Alcestis and uh, Yoli. Oh, Yoli. Yeah. Why Alcestis? Is this one of those, let's just it was a, flip through the dictionary no, and find no. some, grab a name? In one of the books, um, uh, Alcy, that's what they call her, she sacrifices herself to mm. Hera, and she gets bit by a snake to save her friends. That's a little bit of Eurydice. She's blending Eurydice and right. the real the Alcestis. Snake bite, yes. Well, and Alcestis, but Alcestis also, she she sacrifices herself to so that her husband can go on living. So, right. I mean, there's that element. We, we've been there, too. We right? did some episodes we on that. We did two episodes <laughs> on, on Euripides Alcestis. Yeah. Well, I've noticed that there's, there's definitely been a um, theme probably in the last 15 years of taking female characters who are in the original sources rather one-dimensional. Like Pandora, in Hesiod, she just she's a, a cipher. She's a cipher. She has a jar, not a box, and she opens it for no no discernible reason, and then she slams the lid, lid back on, but she has no, there's no motivation. No. She's no. created by the gods for that. For that purpose. purpose. To trick. So, but I've noticed Mortals. that there's been a move, like with, uh, Margaret Atwood wrote the Penelope ad. Have you encountered this? It's kind I've of the story of, of Odysseus, it, yes. but through the eyes of Penelope. She wrote Circe also? No, that's Madeline Miller. Oh, I'm sorry. So Madeline yeah. Miller has written The Song of Achilles and then Circe, oh, yes. which is which is a wonderful book. Um, but it's, again, it takes kind of that, uh, picks up that loose thread in the Odyssey, but then tells the story kind of and from from her perspective. Pulls on it, right? And, and pulls on it. That's what you do with a loose pull, thread. And you weave your it's own kind of tapestry reference. out of it. Yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, which I think is really quite interesting. I mean, these things don't always work, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think I find it a really interesting way that these stories continue to be kind of uh, reinvigorated. Yes. Yeah. 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 Speaking of reinvigoration, yes, it's probably time to read some ads. Oh, excellent! Nice segue. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Hackett Publishing. Hackett Publishing. Hackett Publishing. What's Hackett, Jeff? Hackett Publishing has been in the business of bringing, I can't say erudite. You can't. No, it's affordable. That's uh, trademarked. Approachable, uh, wonderful translations of classical works as well as works from many other corners of the humanities. They've been doing it for 40 years, Mm -hmm. based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and and Indianapolis, Indiana. That's right. The former home of uh, Indianapolis Colts quarterback superstar Andrew Luck. Why are we bringing him up? Because Luck graduated from Stanford University. Yeah, okay. And while he was on the Colts, he used to lead reading groups among the other football players. What? Yeah, it's true. They read the Iliad together. What? These these lunkhead football players? Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because you <laughs> suit up with pads, that means you're a lunkhead? Okay, maybe. All right, all right. Okay. What a classist you let's, are. Let's not make this about me. Okay. All right. So Luck was, he was reading Luck, the Iliad. he yes. was reading the Iliad. Yes, possibly maybe even the Stanley Lombardo translation. Could be. Yes. Right, way to connect it back yes. to Hackett. So Hackett. for 40 years or more, they have been bringing excellent quality translations to the masses and supporting this podcast. From the very beginning. From the very beginning. Yep. Quite remarkable. Yep, I've got translations on my shelf at home. I've got translations on my shelf in my office. Mm-hmm. I use them in the classroom. Any in your car? Um, Keep one in the glove box. You, actually, I do have the Ovid's Metamorphoses that we used uh, yes. a few... Pa- uh, that would be the... The Lombardo. The Lombardo. Tri- yeah. There's also the Ambrose edition. So I always I like to keep a Hackett publication within reach at yes. all times. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and if you, the listener, the viewer, would like to do that, see how I'm looking at the audience now, they need to go to HackettPublishing.com. Mm-hmm. We're going to throw some information right up here. H-A-C-K-E-T-T. T-T. And uh, 
throw into your grocery basket whatever kinds of things you'd like to purchase, and then at the checkout, there's a coupon code, right? This coupon code, that would be AN2021. For just a few more weeks, and then it's going to change. 22022. Well, don't let the cat out of the bag. All right, okay, all right. But by doing that, they get 20% off everything they order. And free shipping. Free shipping. Check it out. Jeff, what is this podcast also brought to you by this, this episode? It's also brought to us by the Moss Method. Moss Method. Now, I have that written down here, but I have no idea what that means. That isn't true. Okay, well, tell us about the Moss the Method. The Moss Method is a course for Greek that will take you from... Uh, neophyte to erudite. Erudite. Oh, yes, good. Yes. Uh, I took this work of Charles Melville Moss. It's in the public domain. Divided it up into four modules. Each module has 40 lessons. I analyze... Everything in this text, you learn the lexemes, the morphemes, the grammar, the syntax, the semantics. But it's fun as you do it. It's fun? It's fun because you're reading actual real-life stories. Excellent. Many Greek textbooks, you learn a rule, apply a rule. This is a narrative approach. Yeah. And it's expert, self-paced, and accessible. So I lead you all the way through it. So it's up to now. You've you farmed this off to like three flunkies Oh, now? no. There are no flunkies no, involved no, at not, all. Not one flunky? I like to... To combine, uh, uh, what is it, lackey and flunky? Oh, gotcha. In, into a portmanteau. So, oh, nice. No flankies. None. I okay. interact directly with all students. Once per week, we have the Moss Method office hours over Zoom. I had one this morning, actually. Yeah. Students from all over the world show up and they ask me questions about New Testament, uh, Homer, Aristotle, Aristophanes, Demosthenes, Plato, anything you want. That sounds great. And so we no, talk about Greek. If somebody wanted to do this, what, what do they need to do right well, now? Well, they missed the Black Friday Monday. Oh, oh, that's too bad. They did. Yeah. yeah, I know. The Black Friday Monday Cyber. But we're going to have a New Year's sale coming out pretty soon. So they need to go to mossmethod.com. Let's put it right there. Mossmethod.com. Watch some of the extended free instruction that I give and then sign up to take the course with me. Sounds great. All right, let's do it. Do I have more to say? Uh, do you have more to say? Yes, we're launching in January the Lingua Latina Per Se Illustrata. I'm going to be teaching uh, Latin ab initio from the very beginning. So not just the expert kind of instruction, the master classes in Cicero and so forth. Check that out too. But a brand new course from the beginning. And that's launching in January. So latinperdm.com slash L-L-P-S-I. Latin teaches itself. Excellent. This episode is also brought to you by Racial Coffee. Racial Coffee, based in Portland, Oregon. The crack team, assembled by... Uh, Mark Helweg. Mark Helweg has solved all of your problems, both... Brew-based. And aesthetic. Yes. Do you, Jeff, or Jillian, want an ugly machine sitting on your countertop? Who would want that? No. I don't think so. But for years and years, I thought that was the only option. That's right. Right. Something squirty plastic by Dakin Blecker on one of those. Mr. Mr. Mrs. Coffee. Mrs. Coffee. Yes. Exactly. Right. But no more. No more. There's no no reason to do that. Exactly. So tell us about the Ratio 6. Ratio 6, I have a sleek stainless steel machine. Yes. um, That comes with a weighty carafe. I like a weighty carafe. You could put plutonium. You could. U-235 in there. You could transport it across the country and Mm -hmm. nobody blink an eye. No problems. No. Um, it, but yes, every morning I hit the button. There's uh, there's three stages. Let's, t- let's tell. Let's the, hear about you that. You got the bloom. Okay. And then you got the brew. What happens during bloom? Well, that off gases all the the gases. Harsh that need carbon to be dioxide. Off. Yes. Goes out into the biosphere. Right. Yeah. Taking with it the brackish tang. <laughs> with the brackish tang, condemned to the darkest corners of Tartarus. Okay. Yes. And then the brew stage. That's mm-hmm. where, that's really where the magic. That's happens. the magic. The hot water sits there in the cone. Yes. Goes through, uh, goes through the. Uh, is it borosilicate? Yeah. Yes. Well, that's if you have the, the <laughs> the ratio eight. Sorry. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. It's a hand blown borosilicate glass right. carafe. That's right. Mine's mm-hmm. mine's the the plutonium. Monster. You got the plutonium one. Right. Right. Um, but it, it keeps it warm and yeah. hot. No more um, mass produced coffee. You no. go from bloom no, to brew, to ready. Ready. Right. And then you're drinking. That's right. Yeah. Um, I can't say enough about it. Yeah, it's I, wonderful I, stuff. I, I love the machine. Mine I, is an oyster and walnut. Beautiful accents. Right. And uh, our listeners, yes. if they go to RatioCoffee.com, That's correct. they can get the 6 or, or the, the eight, 8, 15% off. Yes. They need to, uh, they need to um, use this code, A-N-C-O, Ad Nauseum coffee. coffee. Put that in. And later in this very episode, yes. we're going to drop, again, the secret four-digit code to sign up to win a free Ratio 6. So if, if they go to the website and they tap that That's code right. in, they are in, they are entered into the drawing. That's right. Yep. And we're going to announce it uh, in episode number 68. So you can go into the new year with a free Ratio 6 and stop drinking this uh, sludgy bilge water. Right, so check out RatioCoffee.com and keep listening. That's right. (music) 
All right, so as we get back into it, uh, we're going to talk more about the Lightning Thief. And uh, Dave, I believe you got, uh, you're going to read a, a passage. Yes, I am. So this is from uh, page 296. It's one of my favorite scenes in the book. Maybe the listener will like this scene too. It's where Annabeth, the daughter of Athena, interacts with Cerberus, the three-headed dog. Yes. Now, Jillian, can you set the stage for us a little bit? Why is Annabeth down there in Hades? What What's the, the story arc? So they've gone down to Hades... Um the underworld uh, to confront Hades himself. Hades, okay. And uh, ostensibly to get the lightning bolt back from him, but Percy also has this bit of ulterior motive to get his mom back. Right. So they're trying to break into the underworld. Um, they've gotten across uh, the the river, the river Styx, right. on the ferry. Charon has taken them across. Right. Um, and now they are trying to get into to the, the deeper parts of the underworld. Through the gates themselves. Yes. Now, you mentioned the big three, I believe. You mentioned the big three. This would be GM, Ford, and Chrysler. Is that right? <laughs> no, no. This is something completely different. I'm trying to make it a Michigander reference. Oh, that was? Okay. Did you forget this is where the podcast is based? We're uh, in Michigan, baby. Okay. I think... I, I, <laughs> This has very little to do with what we're talking about. So what? Okay. It's the big three. The big three. So, Jillian, who are the big three we're talking about here? Please. <laughs> the big three are Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades. Okay. The three brothers, um, mm-hmm. the three Olympian gods. The sons of the Titan Kronos. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Rhea. Yes. Right. Um, and they have come up with this pact, the pact of the big three, to not have any more children mm. because they are too dangerous. The children of the gods, the demigods, are too dangerous. Right. They're too powerful. I see. Um, so it's a pact of celibacy of sorts. Yeah. No more philandering with mortal women. With mortal, yes. Okay. Do all three members of the big three keep this pact? They do not. In uh, fact, the only one that does keep it is Hades. Oh, which ironic. Which is a bit of a surprise. Right. He is what? kind of known as the the, the, sh- the shifty well, he's underground. The, right, he's dishonest. I don't. Right. I can't remember any children of Hades, can you? I thought that, I think that fits quite well with with the Greek myths, you know, Hades is is kind of the he's kind of a cipher, right? He, he's a. Um, it's the second time you've yeah. used that term. Could you define it for us? Well, he's please? kind of his name might possibly mean something like the unseen one, the invisible one. Yes, and that's correct. He, I mean, if you look, if you think of the major Greek myths, the only one where he's really a. a um, a protagonist is when he kidnaps Persephone. That's right? correct. Otherwise, with whom he has no children. He has no children, and then, but even that, you know, um, in the myths about the underworld, who's the who becomes the face of the underworld? It's not Hades; it's no, Persephone. You're right. right? The She's queen. the queen of the dead, and so she mm-hmm. kind of runs the show, and so he kind of fades into the background. And so, for him to, I think, to have the the least problem with this pact of celibacy, I think that that sounds about that right. Yes. So, two references here. Um, you were talking about the Matrix earlier. Isn't there a Persephone character in the Matrix? That's been so long since okay. I've seen it. Well, we'll go on to the other reference. I used to drive a Toyota Cypher, actually. <laughs> <laughs> little four-door number. Really? Oh, is yeah. that the one I called Daddy's Little Car? And you uh, no, that? no, that was a Mitsubishi. Oh. Yeah, that was a Mitsubishi. <laughs> I never dro- drove a Toyota Cypher. But again, we're in Michigan, right? It's right. The, it's the... The world capital of automobile production. So when someone says "big three, you think that's where I'm going to. That's where I'm going to go. Right, right. We'll have another kind of Michigani reference at the end of the podcast if uh, the listener stays tuned. Okay. So back to death, then. Right. right. They're getting through the gates. Yes. They're getting through the gates, and uh, I'm going to read a little bit here from page 296. So <clears throat> he, that is a Cerberus, caught it. That is the ball. In his middle mouth, it was barely big enough for him to chew, and the other head started snapping at the middle, trying to get the new toy. Drop it, Annabeth ordered. Cerberus's head stopped fighting and looked at her. The ball was wedged between two of his teeth like a tiny piece of gum. He made a loud, scary whimper, then dropped the ball, now slimy and bitten nearly in half, at Annabeth's feet. Good boy, she picked up the ball, ignoring the monster spit all over it. She turned toward us. Go now. Easy death line. It's faster. I said, but now, she ordered, in the same tone she was using on the dog. Grover and I inched forward warily. So hmm. what's happening here, Jillian, and why is this I mean, what's interesting? This, what's this easy death line? Can yeah. you explain that? So, and Grover? So there are two different ways to get into the heart of the underworld. Okay. And there's two different ways to decide where you go after death. Um, so the underworld is split into, let's see, there's the, the fields of Asphodel. Mm-hmm. Um, Watch your language. <laughs> Tartarus. Right. Um, and the Elysian fields. The Elysian fields, this right. paradise. Right. So um, you have to be judged by, mm-hmm. what is it? It's by Redamanthus, 
Iacchus and, and King Minos. Oh, the big three. Yes. The right. big three. The other big three. Oh. The other big three. Another, right. another three. Yes. Right. So you can go the slow death line and be judged by the the three kings. Um, so it's three a more, ghostly kings. It's a more um, tedious process. Right. But you're taking a gamble that could pay off. Or right? could end you pushing a stone up a hill. There, exactly right. So it could go either way. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, if you were just kind of a, a, a normal normal mortal who didn't yeah. really get into a much normal. trouble. You go to the, it's the express checkout. Right. I was you just going to go there. Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to say it's like when I go to the grocery store, uh, the local one being Meyer. Yeah. Right? I have to decide, how many items do I have? Do I go scan, self-scan? Or do I stand in line and get the personal touch from the surly cashier? What do you do? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, it depends on, on it, what kind of trip I've, I've made. If it's, okay. the, if it's the big Saturday trip, of course I'm going to get I'm yeah. going through uh, Surly Town. I hardly ever, hardly ever go to the grocery, but I got a pro tip recently. Yeah? If you're going to the grocery with other persons whose shopping habits may be a little more, oh. um, I don't know what the word is, sluggish than yeah. yours, yeah, yeah, yeah. buy ice cream right at the beginning. Oh. Get ice cream and drop it in the cart. Because that becomes an, uh, it's a it's, clock. It's a ticking bomb. It's, it's, yes. a t- it's a ticking time <laughs> Cream. Yes, but this is why they put the frozen foods way at the back of the store. Because you got to schlep all the way back there. <laughs> That's right, exactly right. But you can always say, hey, hurry up. I'm holding this ice cream. It's going to melt. Pro tip. <laughs> so <laughs> That's like the easy death line. Yes. Right. Yes, yes, all right. Yes, right. So Grover, Annabeth, Cerberus. What's happening? Yes. So Annabeth distracts Cerberus and his three heads um, with a rubber ball mm-hmm. while uh, Grover and Percy... Sneak into the easy death line and okay. make their way to Hades. Okay. And then they try to bargain with Hades. Do they, they not? They do. I think so. Yes. Well, they confront him mm-hmm. for stealing the lightning bolt. But it but turns, it turns out, out he's it was not, not the, him. He's not the thief. He's right. not the thief. Ah, and Percy, in twist. fact, has the lightning bolt in his backpack, mm. which was given to him by, by Ares. Ares. He's been right. carrying it around all along. Right. But Doesn't that create a lot of heat? Probably. It's probably really heavy, too. I would think heavy. so, too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Unless you put it in one of those, uh, like I used yesterday for, for Thanksgiving, one of those, those that you put the hot dish, yeah. you, know, you zip it up. Zip it around, yeah. zip the handle right. on top. Yeah. I just have a right. lightning bolt-shaped one. Right. Is that right. what Lots you took zipping. to Thanksgiving? I did. Exactly right. Yeah, it was a hit. Okay. Was a big hit. <laughs> now, how was Hades uh, portrayed here? Because one of my irritations is... is Jillian, uh, uh, have you seen Disney's Hercules? I have not, but I do know how. You Hades know what I'm talking is. about, yes. Right. Yeah. So they often uh, um, they describe him or portray him with kind of devilish, demonic features, right. lots of fire springing from. Or as a skull, maybe. Yes. Right. right. So they, they kind of conflate it with um, a kind of extra Judeo-Christian or, satanic imagery. Or Dantesque. Dantesque, right? Dantesque, Dante-esque uh, elements, right. right? Right. So which kind of it, it, it kind of um, Goes against the grain with me with my myth class. I would t- always talk about how Hades. If you look at it from a Greek perspective, he's just a guy with a kind of a lousy job, right? He's, True. He's not. True. He's not I, demonic. He's got a lot of gold down there. What's but that? He's not. He's got a lot of gold down there. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he's Pluto, kind of just, the god of wealth, right? right. Yeah. He mm-hmm. kind of just you know hangs out in his little his cave with with his dead people and his wife, and he doesn't. My criticism exactly. is more aesthetic, and oh. that is it doesn't require much imagination. You know, to present Hades as a ghoulish, demonic, true. skeletal person. Mm-hmm. And if he really is bad, isn't it true that things in life which are bad are deceivingly attractive? Right? Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the um, Snidely Whiplash kind of villain, right, is more... Get that reference? Of course, yes. Dudley yeah. Do-Right. Dudley Do-Right, right. right. So the character cool. who's deeply evil but on the surface actually looks very normal or even appealing... I think that takes so much more imagination and artistry. Sure, sure, sure. Or you're often uh, you've used that comparison to kind of the Greek underworld to the DMV. Oh, you've right? been taking notes. I have been taking yeah. notes, but I like that a lot. It's kind of um, you know a lot of these these Greek punishments in the underworld are, are not of so much no. kind of physical torture. They're just of endless boredom. Right, right, right. Filling the the leaky cauldron, pushing the stone. That's right. Right. Standing in in the water up to your waist and just it's frustration. It's, it's frustration more than. Um, Right, torture exactly. But there's that uh, this idea of kind of not so much the, the you know the mustache twirling picture of evil, but mm. the, the banality mm-hmm. of, of, of evil is much more terrifying. Mm-hmm. Right, talking about the DMV again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's I think that's I think that's kind of how Uncle Rick describes it too, with the you know, long okay. lines and the mm. everyone's just kind of waiting and right. endless waiting. But Hades himself is not is he, he um, not devilish or. Not, Not so really. much. I don't think so. I think he's described as um, sitting on 
He's on a, a he's on a, a throne, throne right? of skeletons, probably. But yeah. he's just kind of described as kind of pale and yeah, yeah. nondescript. Exactly. Mm. Just, yeah, it doesn't get any sun down there. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Michigan. Right. Right. <laughs> well, as we start to wind down a little bit, yeah. Jeff, I understand you have a number of questions. I do. That you wanted to ask my daughter here, Jillian. I do. About her general experience as a classics student and aficionada. Before we get to that, though, um, okay. you had mentioned earlier in the episode, Jillian, that you you went to Greece. Yes. And you said it was 2014? Yes. yes. Right? Sounds right. So you would have been 12-ish? I was 11. I was almost 12. 11, yep. okay. Share some of that experience. Uh, were you excited to go? Were there things you wanted to see? What was your I favorite was, part? I was really excited, yes. Okay. I remember being very jet-lagged. We were sitting in the uh, the theater of Dionysus, and I oh, yeah. could not stop yawning. Uh, um. <laughs> A lot of people had that experience, actually. <laughs> When uh, when Sophocles was being produced, right? Exactly. Get to the get to the get Come to the on, plot. that was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. Sitting in the theater of dying. Right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. But like, like, like the first day there, your dad drags you to the Acropolis, right? But it was it was so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was all the things I'd read about, but right. I got to see them, you know, in real life and think, oh, you know, this is where. This is where Athena and Poseidon, you know, fought over who was going to be the sure, the, yeah, the patron god, right? Um, yeah, we went to Delphi, mm. and I crawled down into the little. You did. You went in there. I, I did. I've I went yet in to there. do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta go in there. Gotta do, we've had students crawl into that. Yes, we have. Yeah. That's very cool. Right? Met some French kids there. Right? I did. I did. We scared a lot of a lot of other tourists because. <laughs> you jump, like, jumping out of the hole. <laughs> yeah, you can reach your hand up through the. They're, they're just walking up, you know, and it's like, oh, so here's where here's where they'd go, you know, and right by the tripod stones, right? right, right yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, I mean, you, you really can't shrinking. not put your hand up, right? Yeah. <laughs> we went to Kefalonia too. Remember? Yes, oh, that right. was gorgeous. Yeah, took a little ferry off out to Kefalonia, and now why 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 that? I mean, this, I mean, because I had never been to a Greek island. Okay, I have never been to Crete. Okay. Or uh, Samos, Kios, any of those places. In the, in the, in the I've been to Okay. Uh, although I hadn't, I hadn't at that point. Okay. Well, maybe once, but it's a very small island. It so is. I wanted to go to Kefalonia, and from Kefalonia you can see both Ithaca and Zacynthus, mm-hmm. right? Oh, right. And I right. really wanted to see Ithaca. Yeah. Very, very cool. What was? Yeah. Did you have a favorite moment or a site that you... Um... Probably the Acropolis. The Acropolis. It's yeah. hard to beat that. It really it, is. It is. What time of year did you guys go? When, uh, I think we went in the fall. It was October. It was October. That's, mm-hmm. Isn't that like the perfect time to it go? Is. It is. It's not the raging heat of the summer's no. gone. And probably not a huge tourist time either. Oh, no. Right? It was relatively yeah. empty. Empty. That's great. Beautiful. So was that... Uh, I imagine that experience had to be formative in your choice now uh, as a college uh, freshman to uh, pursue a classics major, yes. right? Yeah. So uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about more about that, kind of how you came to the decision, um, how you might, how you have perhaps answered the question, what are you going to do with that, which you will continue to get, like your father said, for the oh, rest yes. of your life. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I kind of, I resent that question a little bit. Okay. Oh, resentment, um, the yeah. family trait. <laughs> right? Um, it's always, it's that question or the, or people just don't know. They don't know what the classics are. Yes. I say, oh, I'm studying the classics. And immediately they say, oh, like Dickens? Like, oh, I love yes. Jane Eyre. Yeah. And I have to, I have to steer them away. Yeah. No, Dickens no. Dickens didn't write Jane Eyre. <laughs> that was Herman Melville. <laughs> exactly right. Of course. Right, right. Yeah. Anyway, I have to, I have to steer them away and say, no, no, you know, Greek myth, Latin and Greek. And then they kind of go, oh. So what are you going to do with that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and like I said, I do resent that question a little yeah. bit because well, a lot of you know not to not to diss on any of my my lovely pre med friends, but I'm not I don't I'm not going to college because I want to have a great career or make a lot of money. I want to mm-hmm. I just want to learn. I want to keep reading and writing and studying and. I want to have a study with floor to ceiling bookshelves and sit and read and mm. yeah. Gonna need a ladder. Yes. We need one of those. I like those offices that have the ladder on a track. Oh, oh yes, great. the ones that. I don't know if I'd ever get a book down. I would just climb up the ladder, look around, come down, move it over. Right. Get You've some seen momentum those, and right? kind of ride it. Yeah, like, that would be the be a lot best. Of fun. Yeah. No, I've often yeah. fantasized about having kind of just surrounded by books. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, but I understand that that resentment is. Um, I want to encourage you to fight it, right? Because it will it will take you nowhere. But I understand yeah. it deeply. Fight right? resentment. Yes, okay. ex- exactly. Right, and and, ex- and just just as you just did to kind of explain patiently, uh, kind right. of what you're interested in and why. Because I, I do think kind of that notion of education, literature, uh, it value in, in and of itself. In and of itself, right. Right. right? I don't need to. I don't have to do something. Right. 
with it, I can just enjoy it. Exactly. Right. Although you all already have done some Although some, I some will things, do things with it. Right? Yes. 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 You've done some editing. You've done some teaching. Yeah, Latin. I would like to You're teach. Speaking okay. like a proud father, you know, she mm-hmm. she gets to teach Latin at the Bidua, right? The mm-hmm. the two day uh, events. So. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and to, to kind of bring it back around to you know um, this book we've been talking about, it's it becomes in many ways very practical. Classics as a way of life. As a way of life, you just you pick up any any text with nice. any kind of any kind of um, you know, journey, a narrative arc, right? And you are equipped to kind of understand kind of how the whole thing puts is, is put together. Exactly. Right? Even right. if you're a lunkhead football player, exactly. As someone recently Those said, lunkheads. <laughs> You can inspire your team to think like a Greek hero. Yes, you're out there on the gridiron thinking about Achilles. Man, we got to get this Mr. Luck on the. Uh, I'd like to, right? right? I don't know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, current guest is pretty good. She is pretty. She is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's so you're thinking maybe someday doing some teaching. Yes, Um, I would like to. I would like to teach. I think. Um, Yeah. More travel. Oh yes. Have you been to Italy? Uh, Yes, but I fell asleep at the Coliseum because it was too. She, yeah, she was 18 months old. Really? She had this little um, this little toy that we bought at the oh. McDonald's in Florence. Yeah, yeah. Because when you're a family traveling in Florence, at our stage in life, you're not buying the expensive food. Of course not. And you really want to find a good restroom. <laughs> and Mrs. Noe, she knows how to find a good restroom. The McDonald's in Florence. Just like George. Yes. <laughs> exactly. George, George Costanza. Great restroom. Yes. So we bought her this little toy, which we then had to tie to her stroller with a piece of yarn. Yeah. Uh, because she would just always look at it and throw it into the street. Oh, yeah. It was littering all over Italy. It's a good gag. It's a good gag. Yeah. She melted, it, let gag. me tell you. Yeah. 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 So no uh, no memories of... No. Not at all. No. Way I would like young. to go back. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, unless Jillian would like to, you know, add anything in here, maybe ask us some questions. I don't know. She's an occasional listener of the podcast. Uh, an often encourager of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I've got. I've just got a question. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a question. I just, all I want is just kind of a one two word answer. You don't have to explain it. But okay. uh, favorite favorite author, favorite work from the classical canon. If you if you had to pick one, Ovid. Ovid, Metamorphoses. Yeah. Or or maybe Herodes. That's what I've been really? reading recently in my mm-hmm. class with. Uh, Dr. Jacqueline Jones. You got to um, give her a shout out. Her Dr. Shout out. Jacqueline Jones. Jones. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, my first female classics professor and one of my favorites now. Fabulous. Professor at Baylor, right? Yes. Iowa grad. Iowa grad. Is that yeah, right? She yeah. studied under uh, both Karen Green. Yes, and yeah. Rob Ketterer and all those folks. All, all the guys you know. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yeah. And uh, charming woman, and from all accounts, an excellent teacher, from what I've heard. Jack, so. I mean, what, and a great name, too. Jacqueline right. Jones. I know, it's, it's like, like a, it's very Hollywood. I know, it's a Marvel superhero it is, name, isn't exactly it? Right. Is she the hero or the villain? This I don't know. I mean, Jacqueline Jones is that. She, what, what is her alter ego? That's what you've got to figure uh, out. Yeah. 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 But you're reading the Heroides with yes. Je- uh, Prof- Doctor, Professor Dr. Jones. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, and I'm enjoying it. It's excellent. Very cool. Well, the, Herod- the Herodes has got some, uh, again, definitely a topic for another Ovid episode yes, down the line. Yes, sure. Yep. Femme fatales and all kinds of family drama. Yeah. Uh-huh. Great stuff. But we are up against the clock. We're up against it. Yeah. I think it's time to wrap things up, Dr. Winkle. Yep. We so, have some thank yous to make. As always, we got to thank Mishka. She's working overtime now. Big time. With both the audio and video portions of the show. Right. Uh, without whom we wouldn't. No. This, this would be a, a pile of goo on the floor. Yeah. Shapeless, shapeless mess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even hard to describe, apparently. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Ken Tamplin and Scott Vincent for the yes. great music you hear at the beginning and the, the bumper, bumper music. music yep. and the screaming guitar. Uh, Scott practices every day, although he's a wonderful combination of Stevie Ray Vaughan, soulful blues playing that you like. Yes. And uh, the Eddie Van Halen kind of ripping yes. staccato stuff. That's that just the, the, the tapping and the shooting. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. We need to thank uh, Agricola, who's man in the cameras in the studio today. As always, yes. Big thanks to Agri- Agricola. Mm-hmm. Um, and thanks to our guest here. Yeah, Julian, to for, Jillian. For, for, uh, for stopping in. Uh, right. You're on your way back to... Uh, to uh, to college in a couple of days, right? That's right. So safe travels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, maybe if the subscribers, the listeners, they want to interact with us, they can send an email to jeff at adnauseum.com. Don't forget the, the V. Let's get the V up here. Or the, the, yeah. Don't forget the V. And, and uh, they want to write to you, although I don't know why they 
what? Uh, <laughs> Your voice dropped there. <laughs> Sada voce. Right to Dave at adnauseum.com. Also, again, don't forget the V. So, yeah, give us uh, uh, episode suggestions. Right. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like. If you want to shout out. If you want to shout out, we uh, are in need of those. Yes. The coupon code, right? Oh, That's the right. secret code. It's 6567. Put it up here on the screen, please. 6567. Go to racialcoffee.com slash A-N-C-O. Racialcoffee.com slash A-N-C-O. Coupon code 6567. Get registered for that uh, Ratio 6. The free Ratio 6. Yes. Jeff, what is on tap for next week? Oh, very seasonal. All right, We're going to talk about um, what you might uh, stuff in your classes' stocking. Come again? <laughs> The AN Guide to Christmas Gifts. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, the yeah. AN Guide to Christmas Gifts. You're a classicist, I'm a classicist. Yep. We have stockings. We do. What you can stuff in there. So this is what we're asking listeners to send us? No, 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 no. We're going to give... Well, that comes later. Okay. But we're going to give them suggestions about the kinds of things they might use to stuff it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. I look forward to it. Right. Uh, and yes. I think... Dr. Winkle, you have the gustatory parting shot. Remember, I promised another connection to Michigan? Oh, yes. What is this? Well, this has something to do with Michigan? Uh, just allow me. Okay, all right. All right, so this is, the quote is from... Millard Fillmore. Millard Fillmore, the 13th president of the United States. Yeah. Another president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, was once visiting the fair state of Michigan, and when he was down in Kalamazoo, yeah. he coined the term Michigander. He did that? He did that. Are you sure about that? It sounds apocryphal. Relatively so. Okay. No, it's it's completely apocryphal. So, <laughs> so Abe Lincoln came Abe up with, Lincoln with Michigander. giving a speech in Kalamazoo, and he looked out over the assembled masses, yeah. much like we do, and he said, look at all those Michiganders. Man, <laughs> that sounds like Abe. Hapt. That guy could turn a phrase. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that Millard Filmer would never have come no, up with. No, right? no, right, no, right? no, yeah. no. I'd be hard-pressed to tell you actually one thing about Millard Filmer, except for this quote. All right, let's have it. Right. Uh, Millard Filmer, the 13th president, he um, apparently he lived both in Sempronius and Sparta, New York. So Sempronius, New York. Yes. And, and Sparta. And Sparta. Sparta, that's it, good for a classicist. Yes, very good. But uh, he, he once said, the nourishment is palatable. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's on his gravestone. Yeah, the nourishment <laughs> is palatable. Thanks for listening. Thanks.